Hello everyone, I'm Ronnie McBrayer, and I thank you for finding my podcast. Here you will find my regular talks, the occasional interview, hopefully a little light from the Enneagram time to time, and hear conversations with friends on the ever-changing, ever-evolving nature of faith. If you are burned out on religion, to quote Eugene Peterson's marvelous paraphrase, but your faith is still important to you, or if you consider yourself a spiritual exile with no real place of belief to call home, then I have you especially in mind, and I hope you'll stick around. A scripture reading this morning from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 21 through 25. Traditionally, this letter is attributed to Simon Peter, the leader of Jesus' original band of 12 disciples. Simon was his given name. Simon Bar-Jonah was his full name. Jesus called him that a couple times. He must have been in trouble when the full name is called. Simon Bar means son in Aramaic. Jonah was his father's name. Simon, son of Jonah. And then Peter was his nickname. Peter in Greek, Cephas in Aramaic, both mean the rock. We might use it as rocky today. I hope that ruins you for the Gospels, that every time you hear the words of Simon Peter going forward, you will hear them in the vernacular and accent of Sylvester Stallone. Rocky Balboa. Again, early tradition accepts Peter as the writer of what we call 1 Peter today, Though 2 Peter was contested from the very beginning and was barely accepted into the New Testament. Stylistically, 2 Peter was and is very different than 1 Peter. It has a different vocabulary. It's all apocalyptic and the author quotes some very strange references. But in these latter years, even 1 Peter has come under renewed critique. And no one is going to throw old Pete out of the New Testament, but... There is a general consensus among literary scholars now that Simon Peter may not have been written, uh, that the book of Peter may not have been written by Simon Peter at all, rather someone who was using his reputation to get their message out. And it wasn't to steal his name, per se, or to falsely use it to become a New York Times bestseller. It was just a way of honoring him in some ways and capitalizing on his credibility in others. Still, uh, 1 Peter has been accepted as credible for 1,600 years or so, and that's not going to change. And this is a beautiful text here, quite refined, if it is indeed a Galilean fisherman writing it. And while I did not intend to speak from this passage originally today, here we are at this text. 1 Peter 1, 21 through 25. I think we might, I might be reading from just a little bit different text, so let me read yours instead of mine. Through Him you believe in God, who raised Him from the dead and glorified Him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring Word of God. For all people... Or like grass. And if you'll notice here, it's in quotations. 
Simon Peter is quoting the prophet Isaiah here from Isaiah 40. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. The word of God for the people of God. Halfway through this past week, I had already begun service planning for today. That pretty much is par for the course. Such planning begins almost immediately when one Sunday ends because preachers only work one day a week and you might as well get to it. But then I received the unexpected word that a dear friend of mine had suddenly passed away. And his name was Don. Don Durham. Don Bull Durham. But there was nothing bullish about him. He was a gentle soul. Part preacher, part businessman, part fundraising expert, part Gandalf the Grey, part Harley Davidson riding bad man, part tractor pulling hillbilly. But all love and all grace, all welcoming and all heart. Especially for his daughters and for people who were down and out. He was going to be a regular force at the Rusty Goat and was coming to the picnic in just a couple weeks. He was one of my inspirations. But last Friday evening, he came home probably from Waffle House, found his comfy chair, and at 53 years young, found his way into the presence of God. That big heart of his that he was always giving away gave out. I met Don 20 years ago. At the time, I was director of a local United Way, having left the Baptist pastorate. He was director of a community foundation, having left the Baptist pastorate. He had young children. I had young children. He had gone through a divorce. I had gone through a divorce. He was trying to figure out what was next in life. I was trying to figure out what was next in life. Eventually, he moved out of Georgia. Eventually, I moved out of Georgia. We were very different, but we had so much in common. And we remained connected over the decades. Text messages, emails. He was one of the wisest and smartest people I've ever known. A renaissance man. And maybe you've met somebody like that. They know how to do everything. With a wisdom that they must be 200 years old. Living in a 50-year-old body. Our mutual friend, John Pierce, who's a tremendous writer, eulogized Don so well, and I can't improve upon it. I'll just read what he had to say. News of Don Durham's death at age 53 has stunned those of us blessed to share some life experiences with this generous, one-of-a-kind man. Don knew about as much about as many widely different things as anyone I've known. Yet he dispensed such knowledge in warm and thoughtful ways. He never came across as arrogant, even when setting the record straight on matters ranging from enhanced podcast production to the proper maintenance of an iron skillet. Before trading his corporate attire for faded overalls, Don would ride his motorcycle from his Atlanta home to Macon where we'd attend old school concerts like Willie Nelson and Gordon Lightfoot. It's hard to explain how surprising yet unsurprising it was when Don 
decided to give up his job as president of the CBF Foundation to go grow crops for others on a borrowed farm in North Carolina. In 2010, Don responded to a divine tug to live, work, and minister among those he deemed, quote, the hard living. He met such people with ease on his motorcycle or his tractor or while hanging out at the local Waffle House. A part of that pull was greater proximity to his daughters, something he had lost in his divorce. The specialness of father-daughter relationships is something we shared and celebrated A year later, knowing a good story awaited, I drove up to find Don amid rows of head-high okra stalks. He cut the green pods while I jotted notes from our conversation in a reporter's notebook. With the bounty of okra secured in the back of Don's pickup, we headed to lunch, first stopping by a local ministry that provides free meals for those who need them. Entering the back door, we met two women whose knives were flying as they cut up mounds of okra. A single box fan did little to curb the heat. No, no more okra, they cried out in unison. But Don delivered his gift nonetheless, knowing the season of abundance would be followed by the scarcity of homegrown food and more okra in the freezer would be welcomed then. Returning from my visit, I wrote the feature story and placed a cover photo of Don on the October 2011 issue of our news journal. It showed him wearing his wide-brimmed straw hat and snipping okra. And I still laugh when recalling the note received from one subscriber who asked, why did you put a Mennonite growing marijuana on the cover? It was an identity I transferred to Don at each opportunity, and he always responded with a hearty laugh. Recently, Don had been discerning his next chapter of life, and certainly this eternal one was not what he or any of us imagined. What a fragile and uncertain existence we face. You lived well, my brother. You gave generously. Now go rest in peace. So that was the interruption to my service planning. His life interrupted. But what a life so well lived. A life that will indeed last forever and not because of just heaven and pie in the sky. Though I believe Don is happily in the presence of God's love and grace right now. His life will last here. In this world. Because he didn't just preach the good news. He lived the good news. And indeed, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass will wither and the flower will fade. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news preached to you, Simon Peter said. And I have often said that if if God gave out rewards when someone arrived in heaven, those people arriving there would be cheated. They would be gypped. Because if we were rewarded as soon as we died, 
There are a lot of people, I'm telling you, who have lived such great and glorious lives that the interest on their lives is still paying dividends long after they're gone. Don was one of those folks. My friend Don raised tons of money over the years for all kinds of good and godly causes, and those causes will continue. He raised and gave away bushels and truckloads of vegetables. Those children whom he fed over the years, how can we put a value on the nutrition that poor families received? His daughters will one day have children who no doubt will carry his name. Albert Einstein said, and I take this as a spiritual principle as much as a physical one, Einstein said, energy cannot be created or destroyed. It can only be changed from one form to another. The energy that we have in living is never really depleted. It's just transferred to the things that we do. To the people that we love. To the earth that we live on. Our lives are like taking a rock and throwing it into a pond. And the ripples move out from that splash and they land on shores upon which we will never stand. But the energy we have invested in this life keeps reaching out in all of these directions. Or have you ever heard of something called the butterfly effect. You know, with maybe a hurricane in the Gulf of Mexico this week, it would be a good time to remind you of what that is. Another scientist not as recognizable as Einstein, a man named Edward Lorenz, coined the term. In the 1960s, he was running weather models. He was running spaghetti models that we've all been looking at over the last couple of days. And he would change his calculations by hundreds, hundreds of a decimal point. And when he made that kind of change, the model would change dramatically for the end result. And he came to the conclusion that a seagull in the Gulf of Mexico or a butterfly in the Amazon basin with just the flap of its small wings might create just that last bit of energy needed to initiate a storm or to steer a storm. All of this energy is connected together. And while the grass will wither and the flowers will fade, your life will end. Your life's energy will continue. Your life will outlive you. So I think the question becomes, what ripples are you making with your life? How are you spending your energy? Are you living out good news? Is your energy connecting to the greater spirit that is at work in this world? When your existence has been interrupted, and the force of your life has been expended, and it is left to germinate, to expand here, can you leave 
knowing that you put that force and energy to use in the best of places. I'm not talking about changing the world. I'm not talking about being famous. About being so important that you will be the subject matter taught in history class one day. It's just not that complicated. It's about living intentionally. It's about living on purpose. It's about being awake. Being aware. Our friend Frederick Beekner is spot on again. Quote, we must be careful with our lives for Christ's sake. Because it would seem that they are the only lives we are going to have in this puzzling and perilous world. And so they are very precious and what we do with them matters enormously. The takeaway lesson that Don taught me was this. You're going to get some opportunities to make some changes in your life. How and where you will spend your energy, don't be afraid to take those chances. Don, leaving Georgia to go farm in the hills of North Carolina, intentionally making the decision to work less, maybe for you, and to be available to your family, your children, and your grandchildren, that might be a change you should make. Or selling that second home. Well, I know you love it. But it has become too much to manage. It takes up too much of your limited and precious energy. Make that leap of love. You said you would never love again. But time is sifting through that hourglass. And the days are growing shorter by the minute. Live where you said you wanted to live. Try what you said you were going to try. Do what you told people you were always going to do. Now that's not a motivational Hallmark card. It's a challenge to be cognizant of the time. We all have less time today to do with our lives than we had yesterday. I'm not being a downer. I'm just asking you to admit what you already know. Our energy is less. Our days are fewer. The grass withers. The flowers fade. Be about those things that are important. If it's not important, don't worry about it. Do you notice that? That the things you worry about in life probably won't matter next week, much less 20 years from now? Meanwhile, the things that really do matter, we do the best job at neglecting. Find your place in the great and grand scheme that is the good news. Yes, you have responsibilities. Yes, you have bills to pay. Yes, people are counting on you. Yes, there are children to raise. There are obligations to meet. But there will be... At times in your life, these almost magical crossroads, and you might be standing at one today where life is interrupted and you will have a chance to change your investment strategy. Change how you invest your time. 
and your energy. One of Don's favorite singers was Sam Baker. Sam Baker had the thrilling career as a bank examiner in Texas. I wish Bob James was here. Bob James, before he went off to work for Levi's, and as he said to me many times, I covered the world in leisure suits in the 1970s. Bob was a bank examiner right out of Southern Miss. And he always said it like this, I got a job as a bank examiner. Well, Sam Baker was a bank examiner. When he was 32 years old, he took a trip to South America in search of something. He was on a train crossing the Andes Mountains of Peru. Unknown to him or anyone else on that train, a terrorist group known as the Shining Path had placed a bomb in one of those rail cars. In fact, that bomb was just above Sam Baker's head in the luggage rack. It exploded. It killed seven people, including everyone sitting in Sam Baker's row. Except him. He narrowly escaped death. The blast ruptured both of his eardrums. It destroyed his left hand. It left him with a traumatic brain injury. It required 17 reconstructive surgeries to put him back together. What did Sam do? Well, he quit that job as a bank examiner. (laughs) He taught himself to play guitar left-handed. He took speech therapy. He learned to talk again, walk again. And though he can barely hear to this day, he began writing songs. He began to paint. He became and has become a world-renowned folk artist. The quality of his work and the wonder of his story have been just too incredible to ignore. And what is it about his story that is so compelling? That he survived? Yes. That he has learned through suffering? Yes. That he had a near-death experience? Yes. But mostly, he has been using all those years since his accident to teach all of us the freedom that comes when one decides to do differently with the one life that he or she has been blessed with. When we realize that life is short and fleeting, yet in the midst of it, some things really, really matter. We might have to interrupt the lives we are living or have those lives interrupted in order to learn to truly live. Because the grass will wither and the flowers will fade, but the word of the Lord will remain forever.